And uh, what I'd like to preach on this morning is handling contention. Handling contention, and that's, uh, uh, I, I didn't really, I wanted to refrain from using the word conflict because uh, conflict, even though it is a synonym of, of this word contention, it, it, it puts in your mind uh, fists and fighting physical. We're not talking about that. We're talking about contention. So this is going to be more into the spirits of an individual and I'm sure you understand what I'm talking about uh, maybe some of you have used the phrase when you come into a room and you say wow the tension's so thick in here you can cut it with a knife you know and that's what we're talking about that contention and uh, contention among brothers and sisters in Christ are two brothers in Christ now if you've been saved any time at all uh, you've probably come into contact with somebody uh, that just rubbed you wrong or maybe they used to rub you the right way but now all of a sudden something's happened uh, we experienced this stuff in school you might have had a great friend or a good friend but yet they had another friend who you just couldn't stand yeah you know well sometimes that happens in church and so we're going to see this morning, how are we to handle this contention? How, how are we to deal with it? So many times I find when people handle or have contention in the Christian life, especially in a church, and God forbid that that would happen here, uh, but it's bound to happen. The more people you begin to bring in, uh, you have different personalities, different backgrounds, different ideals. As long as it's about food, I'm in. But you know what I'm trying to say. And so a lot of times people will use that as an excuse to quit on God. They'll use it and they'll get out. And I hear this so much uh, when I'm on visitation or I'm dealing with people. Uh, they say, well, I got hurt and I don't go to church. I got hurt in church once and I just ain't going to go back to church. I, I, I just can't handle it. And they quit. And the devil has used a situation to get them out of service for the Lord. So let's read here. Now I want to begin to read in verse 25 because I have one other point and I told myself I would try not to do this but I want to bring one more point to last week's message which was uh, about legalism in the church and how that the apostles uh, laid down some standards for the Gentiles that were getting saved, uh, uh, that they need to hold themselves to. Uh, and, and I wanted to point something out that it escaped me last week. I knew about it. I just didn't write it down. I'm coming to that age. Uh, but verse 25, let's, let's look at the last part of this, and then we'll get into the message for the day. It says, verse 25, Acts 15, it seemed good unto us being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Don't forget that phrase, beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth, for it seemed good to... Now there's the point I want to make. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost. 
I don't want you to think that what James, Pastor James, did in last week's message, how that he gave his sentence, and he says, look, uh, we're saved by grace and grace only. There's no works to it. You don't have to become a Jew. You don't have to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses to get saved. You don't have to keep a church sacrament to get saved. Uh, But you're saved by grace through faith. But then he gave some uh, standards uh, that the men of God and the missionaries, as they went out to give to the Gentiles who knew nothing about the law of God or the word of God, that they should try to uh, adhere to. And the point I'm making is that the Holy Spirit, this wasn't just Pastor James's ideal, this was from the Holy Spirit also, and I wanted to point that out. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that ye abstain from meats offered to idols. Now, I was going to develop this. Boy, my mind was running about developing this. But I, I'm going to move on this morning. If you was to have any questions like, well, what's he talking about that? Will, I, I can talk with you about that later. But my mind was you don't need to be sitting down at the world's party table is what's going on here. Uh, and, and, and especially idols. They love to eat meat because meat that had been used uh, in a sacrifice to an idol, they always sold cheap. And so they'd have it or they'd have a big party while they had their service. The devil's church service is a big party. That's how they do that. And and it's a sensual party, a rock and roll party, and they're going to feast. And it's not about Christ. It's about you and making you feel better as an individual. And he's saying, look, you need to abstain from meats that were offered to idols and You said, how'd you get party out of that? Well, well, you could go a couple of different ways. Uh, He says, don't buy meat that you find cheap for sale in the open air market that had been used in sacrifice to devils or to idols. That was one definition. But then he talks about uh, not sitting down to eat meat with those that were taking part in their religious service. And so that's where I got that word party. He says, and from blood. Yeah, I don't want to be drinking blood. A lot of blood drinkers uh, out there. Uh, I was thinking about that tribe in Africa. If you watch National Geographic, uh, they drink cow's blood. Yeah, that's, that, that's what they live on out there in the desert. <laughs> that's, that's not for me. I'm not in that. And he's telling us the Bible. You got clear Bible there. Don't drink blood. And from things strangled and from fornication, from which if you keep Keep yourselves, ye shall do well, fare ye well. So then when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. That's back to their home church here. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets also themselves, exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren unto the apostles, meaning they're going to go back to Jerusalem. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Now here's where I'll get my text for today. 
And some days after Paul, uh, Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. He's talking about going on that second missionary journey. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphia and went not with them to the work. And the contention, there it is, was so sharp, sharp contention. This, this is just more than, I can't believe you put in ketchup on bologna kind of a thing, you know. Uh, or I can't believe you're putting ketchup and Ruffles chip on a bologna sandwich, you know. Uh, you got you got to use mayonnaise, and if you're doing bologna and an onion, Miracle Whip, because you want that tang, you want a sweet, tangy aftertaste. Now, mayonnaise is good on a lot of things, but when you get into something that's kind of got that, um, it don't have that sweeter aftertaste, you're going to want. See, I can already tell there's contention brewing. <laughs> <laughs> this was sharp contention, though. And so uh, this thing got uh, uh, heated between them. Now watch this. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. Okay. Like as in go out and get some air. <laughs> and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Let us pray. Our gracious Father, we come, we thank you. Lord, help us today, and it's good to see everybody this morning. Now, Lord, you bring comfort to the families, the Allen family this morning, uh, with that loss. And uh, Lord, there's other folks that we pray for that are sick and that are down. There's other folks that are dealing with, with issues in their life, and I ask that you help them this morning. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, as I said earlier, at some point in your Christian life, you're going to deal with or experience sharp contention between you and a brother or sister in Christ. Now, how you choose to deal with this will determine the course of your life for God. You could end up, if you deal with it wrongly, being a castaway. A has-been. There's a lot of them. Or you can use that opportunity and deal with it in the right way, in the way we see here, to be an abounding Christian growing in grace and knowledge. Now, I'd like to give you a few things. Number one, what is, what is this, what this is and what it is not? That's what I'm trying to get out. This is not, and I want to clear this up, because I've had contention with uh, other preachers and it wasn't about anything like this. It was about sin issues. This is not dealing with uh, a, an argument between two men of God and one of them's caught up in sin. That's not what this is. Unless you want to go to uh, there to Psalms and he says, Only by pride cometh contention. And I might touch on that a little bit. Now, neither one of these men are sinless, but the Bible has been clear to tell us that both of these men are good men. Now, when I first laid this out, I was on the Apostle Paul's side. I picked a side. 
Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul had to be right, you know. Had to be right. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Barnabas didn't know what he was talking about. And so I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm meditating on it. And the Lord says, but I said Barnabas was a good man who had sold all of his goods, his properties, his family property. I added that, but his property. <laughs> that's, that's what the book says. And, uh, and sold it and give it to the church. He was totally dedicated. And, and you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm batting this back and forth with the Holy Spirit of God. And so the Bible is clear to tell us that Barnabas is a good man. The Apostle Paul's a good man. But this is not a case of sin. This is not a doctrinal issue. Both these men were on the same page doctrinally. They had been operating in unity. This was not a case where one had become liberal. You know, Paul, I'm thinking, you know, on this next missionary journey, we need a group that follow us around. We need some smoke and mirrors, and we need a show, you know, a warm-up show. We need to maybe do some skits or something like that and just, just really knock it out of the park, and we, we could call it, uh, uh, you know, the second tour, you know. And that's not what we see. That's not what was going on here. Uh, again, as I said, it was not a backslid problem where one of them was growing cold on God and the other one was still on fire for God. Both these men were on fire for the Lord. Both of them were zealous for God. This was not a case where one was doing all the work and the other one wasn't. That wasn't the case in this situation. So I want to clear that up. We're not, we're not dealing with a situation where the contention is because of sin. Sin must be dealt with. God will not step over sin to bless a work. And as soon as it is discovered, it's got to be dealt with. Now, it must be dealt with in love. It must be dealt with in the uh, attitude of restoration to get the individual that has fallen or been overcome in the sin to repent. But that's not this kind of contention. So what is this? Well, I'll tell you what it is. It's a personality conflict is what this is. Remember last week and maybe the week before, I made mention that everybody in the body of Christ is necessary. Remember that, and I got you over there in Ephesians, where he says, even the joints... Now, everybody knows what a joint is. It's a cartilage. And remember, I made that statement about I got a knee that's bone on bone, and there's no joint in between there to soften two hard objects that keep butting their heads. Well, sometimes in church, somebody needs to be that cartilage in between two hard personalities. I've seen that. I've had to deal with that uh, a time or two in my life where you've got two men that are very good, very smart men, good men, but they're leaders, and sometimes they might come into conflict with one another, and they'll need a cartilage to kind of soften. So you, I've said it like this. You don't want to rub the, rub the cartilage to the bone. Because if it gets rubbed to the bone, there's going to be a problem. There's going to be inflammation. And you don't want that. So this was a personality conflict. Here's why. Uh, Luke, now Luke is the writer here. Luke wrote the book of Acts. 
Now, one of the other points that I discovered is Barnabas is not mentioned no more in the book of Acts. And so I was, when I jumped on the Apostle Paul's side, that was one of my points. I was like, yeah, see, God didn't talk about him no more in the book of Acts. Yeah, and the Holy Spirit said, yeah, dummy, that's because Luke, who wrote it, was with Paul. He was Paul's physician. Had he went with Barnabas, it would have been about Barnabas. Like, <laughs> hate it when the Lord's right, you know. I'm giving him my best stuff, and it keeps getting batted down. But this was a personality conflict. Paul, the apostle, did not trust Mark. You say, why? Because he quit on him on the first missionary journey. Luke makes mention to it. Now, Luke doesn't dramatize it. Luke doesn't break it totally down. And he says, uh, uh, he says uh, where was it? But Paul thought not good, verse 38, to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia. I butchered it, but it's okay. <laughs> I'll let you read it the next time. <laughs> See, here's something you need to know about the Apostle Paul. Don't forget this. The Apostle Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He said of the straightest sect. That means that man was a very strict, very disciplined, very zealous man for his cause. And so... He was a tradesman also. And what I mean by that is he was self-employed. And now if you're not self-employed, I'm not taking a shot at you. What I'm merely stating is the Apostle Paul had something that we call initiative. He, had, uh, he would aspire. He would, if he seen the need, he would take the lead. He didn't have to wait to be told what to do. Now, something else you need to understand about the apostle paul is he didn't suffer fools long mm, no i dare say that the apostle paul and i probably wouldn't get along you say why because he was a man not given to appetites he believed in keeping himself fit. A Pharisee fasted twice in the week. He only eat certain things. He maintained that even though he had been saved and he was given to the Gentiles. Oh, he wasn't going to let himself get out of shape. I could hear him in the background while I was studying and meditating on this. You know, you can founder yourself acting like that. That's the kind of man the Apostle Paul was. So he was a hard man. He was kind of old school, like my old, uh, my, my old grandpappy and, and, and my dad, you know, kind of from the old school. I mean, good night. If you quit on them, <laughs> you burn them once. Okay, that's fine, but you wouldn't get the second chance. But Barnabas, and we can't forget this about Barnabas. Barnabas. Well, John Mark was his sister's son. So John Mark was family. That's right. So blood is thicker than water. But that's not why Barnabas did what he did. Barnabas was a man of second chances. Remember? Remember how the Apostle Paul got started? He was killing Christians. 
Matter of fact, when he first got saved, the church in Jerusalem didn't trust him, didn't believe it. They thought it was a new technique to kill more Christians. And who was it that went and got Paul and brought him and introduced him to the church? Who was it that gave Paul a second chance? Barnabas. See, Barnabas was a man of a second chance. It was... Barnabas, a very gracious individual, willing to give John Mark a second chance. He had given all that he had owned to further the ministry in Jerusalem. The Bible said he was a good man. He was a gracious man. And don't forget that Barnabas was an encourager. Barnabas is quite a character in your Bible. And I preached a message on be a Barnabas. I didn't want to have to retract that message, and even though I did start out on the Apostles Paul's side. And then when I was done, I had to use that other rule. Where the Bible's vague, you be vague. <laughs> Doesn't look like the Lord took a side in this. This was a personality conflict, but how did they handle it? This thing was so sharp that they, they had to separate. So, number one... You might have to separate. Separate. That's a good solution, but we're not, he, he didn't quit. I'm, I'm going to pull this out. Number one, they parted company. That's what Barnabas and Paul did. They parted company. But I'm going to give you three things that was in the minds of these men that needs to be in your mind before you have contention. It's kind of like when you go to a grocery store, you got a budget, there's two things you need to do. Number one, don't ever go to the grocery store hungry. You will buy everything. And you'll especially buy all the things on the ends of the aisles. Now, if you didn't know, that's the stuff they're trying to sell that's higher than it should be. And the deals that you actually went for are actually in the aisle. I didn't know if you all knew that. I learned that years ago. My father used to work at a grocery store. That, that's, a little, that's a little sales thing. Now, number two. Here's the second thing you need to do if you go into a grocery store. Before you go, make a list. Buy only what's on the list. I challenge you this week. <laughs> I have this game with Jen all the time. Go to the grocery store. You make your list. All right. Buy only what's on the list. And then when she comes out, I see how many things that were not on that list that she bought. It's a game. It's a game. What I'm saying is you're going to have something in your mind before you're in that situation. Looking for vehicles is that way. You don't want to just roll up into a, a parking lot at a dealership and say, I'd just like to test drive that car. I, I've done that. Have you all ever done that? I test drove a, a new Corvette one time. Man, that was the, that dude wanted to, he did everything that he could try to sell me that car. And I knew the whole time I couldn't afford that car, but I wanted to drive a Corvette. 
Now, the bad thing is when you can't afford to buy something and you walk up there, you better already have in your mind what you're looking for, what you're willing to spend. Because I assure you, if you don't, if you don't have it already in your mind before the situation happens, they're going to take advantage of you. And in this case, and what I'm saying in this case, the devil will take advantage of you if you don't have these three things already settled in your mind. Number one, the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, both of their minds were settled on Christ. The Apostle Paul, or the Bible, let me say it like that, let me get it right, because then you'll think Paul wrote the Bible and not God. God says this in 1 Timothy, or 2 Timothy, chapter 1, verse 12. Through the inspiration and the pen of the Apostle Paul, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know, that's a settled mind, I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded. There, his mind was settled and made up. I'm persuaded that he, that's talking about Christ, is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Barnabas and Paul were settled in their mind on who Christ was in their life. They didn't get mad at God. So many people get mad at God. You ever been around them people, a little something goes sideways, and they're mad at God about it. You want to know why? They don't have a settled mind on Christ. Then why did God let that thing, bad thing happen? What makes you think it was God that let the bad thing happen? You know, there are things that we do that can cause us harm. There are things that we do that's going to get us into situations that God never intended for us to be in by not following the will of God and obeying God. And we're the first ones to get up and get mad at God for allowing that to happen. Get mad at the devil. You want to get mad at somebody, get mad at the devil. I've known people that's gotten hurt in life acting a fool and get mad at God about that. It's like God didn't make you act a fool. These men didn't get mad at God. They understood they had purpose. It's got to be settled in your mind that you have purpose for God. There in that same chapter in 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, the Bible says, Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. You see, Barnabas and Paul knew that ministry, the Christian life, was bigger than them. Bigger than their ego. Bigger than their opinion. Apostle Paul didn't get his way. He wanted to go with him and Barnabas, just them two. And he didn't trust John Mark. I don't even want to see him. I don't want to be around him. You can't rely on that person. He's going to let you down. And Barnabas said, no, he won't. No, he, he's, he's a little older now. He can handle this. And Paul, no. But both those men didn't use this as an excuse to say, you know what? We can't get along. I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm just going to quit. 
They didn't do that because they had a settled mind on who God is. But number two, they had a settled mind on ministry. Do you see it's right in the text? They had a settled mind on ministry, or you could say service. Barnabas takes Mark, John Mark. And see, their missionary journey had a starting point and an ending point. Barnabas went to one end of the missionary journey, and then the Apostle Paul went to the other side, and they met in the middle. The point is, their minds were settled on ministry. You've heard me say this and refer to this uh, time and time again, but it bears repeating you as an individual, and I'm mainly speaking to the younger families, you know, like in your 30s. And, and I, hate, I hate to really say this because I'm telling on myself, and I should have had this figured out before I got in my 30s. But somewhere around 33, maybe 34, 35, I've said 36, and I'm not losing my mind. I remember saying that. It was about right. It's, it's foggy. You know, who wants to remember the negative about your life, you know? I had to settle in my mind... No matter what my mom or dad did or what uh, uh, my pastor did or, or what an evangelist that I had a, a, a high, I, I put on a, a high pedestal or I thought a lot of, if they quit on God or they fell out or they might have died and went to glory, that that wouldn't cause me to get out. Now, you individuals, you young families in your 30s, it's a good thing to come to church because your mom and dad does or your grandma and grandpa does. But you need to have a settled mind that when your mom and dad pass off the scene or maybe they stumble or they get out, that as for you and your house, you're going to serve God. You need a settled mind on that. God did not, and I'm, I'm giving you my testimony, God did not do nothing with me in my life until I settled that. I had to come to the point where I didn't care whatever happened to my dad or my mom that I was going to serve God because God was real to me. I was settled. But two, I was settled that I was going to serve and I'm not trying to, not trying to imply that my dad got out. My dad's still serving. He's assistant pastor, still preaches. I'm not saying that. The point is I had to come. There had to come a point in my time that I wasn't going to be with my father for the rest of my, my days. I was close. Our family's very close when it comes to our father and my brothers. We worked together every day. We owned a business together. We went to church together and we did ministry together. You know what? It's pretty easy when your dad is the boss, it's pretty easy. When your dad's the pastor, it's pretty easy. When you're in ministry and your dad's the, the evangelist and you're playing and, and, and singing, you can serve. And you're kind of just following the leader. But at some point, as a man, as the head of the household, you've got to settle this thing that I don't care. It's not that you don't love your dad or your mom or your grandma or your grandpa. But it's got to be real to you. You've got to be settled before anything like that happens. 
You know, there could have come a time when maybe my dad might have had a contention with somebody uh, in the church. or, or uh, It didn't happen, but I'm saying it could have. And maybe somebody that I liked and he didn't and it, sharp contention. What am I going to do? Quit on God? There was a time when I would have. That wasn't very deep, was it? I had some growing to do. And I'm saying you need a settled mind on who Christ is and a settled mind on ministry that God has saved you and God has you here for a purpose if it's for no other reason than to bring your children to church. And by the way, while I'm on that, they don't forget about Sunday school parents. You don't want to raise a godless generation. Don't get lazy. Be settled on ministry. Paul and Barnabas were settled on ministry. So Paul partners up with Silas. Silas having been recommended by the church, by the brethren, he says. He said, this guy will suit you well. And so both men continued on their missionary journeys. Both of them had an effective work for Christ. One more thing. They were settled on the fellowship of the brethren. So many times when people fall into contention, they break off fellowship with all Christians. Not just the one they have contention with. They use it. The devil, he puts the thing on the end of the aisle and he draws you away and says, you know what, I just don't need that. I just don't need that. I remember a man years ago, he's in glory now. He lived a rough life before he got saved. He had a band of brothers. He was a biker. And he says one of the things that almost knocked him out of the fellowship of the brethren was he run into a little trouble in his life. Seemed like nobody at the church cared. Didn't care. They didn't want to pray with him about it. They want to be there to help him with it. And he said, you know, all I got to do, preacher, is pick up this phone and make one phone call to just one of my old biker buddies, as rough, as ornery, as nasty as they are, and the whole lot of them will be here to help me with this. And they're lost. We're supposed to be brothers in Christ. And his mind, that brotherhood was, hey, you're going to stand together. You're going to help each other through difficult times in your life. You know, you're going to have to be settled just like these men were settled in the fellowship. You know, they didn't destroy each other's ministry. Again, we're not talking about sin. We're not talking about exposing sin. We're not talking about backslid. We're talking about both good men. Just a personality conflict. You know, I've, I've had that. I've shared that with you. I'm not going to share it on live stream. I've shared with you. There's a missionary I know. He's a good man. I just don't like him. We don't support him. But he would be a good one to support. He's a veteran missionary. He's won many souls to Christ. I just think he's a nerd. You say, what is that? Contention. It's personality conflict. But I assure you, he's a good man. 
He's won more souls to Christ than I have. He started more churches and been more effective than I have. And I sure ain't going to go out of my way to try to hurt or hinder his ministry in any way. They didn't try to hurt each other's ministry. They stayed in church, verse 41. They went through Syria and Cilicia confirming the churches. But let me lay this on you. The Apostle Paul later says this in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11. Only Luke is with me. He's at the end of his life, getting ready to die a martyr's death. Demas had forsaken him. He says, take Mark. That's John Mark. See, how do you know? I'll, I'll get to it. And bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. He says it again in Colossians 4.10. Aristarchus, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, sister son to Barnabas, they serve together again down the road. Touching whom ye receive commandments, if he come to you, receive him. What's he saying? Oh, the Apostle Paul's saying, just because I had a personality conflict with him, you don't hold that against him. You receive him. He's a man of God. Now, who do you think might have been? I started out on the Apostles Paul saying, I'm not taking sides, but I'm going to tell you, Barnabas was a man of second chances. And now, after all these years, the Apostle Paul says, John Mark's profitable to me for the ministry. And if he comes to you, you receive him. Say, what is that, preacher? Oh, he was settled on the fellowship of the brethren. I believe we need to be settled on those three things. And it needs to happen before contention comes. Because there is a devil. You're going to like peanut butter and jelly. I'm going to like peanut butter and honey. You might not like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with your chili, but I do. Maybe you do. I don't know. I'm eating peanut butter and jelly with chili today. You might say, I don't like that. Let's not let that point of contention become sharp between us. Let's be settled in our mind on who Christ is. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, uh, yet I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the grace of the Lord. He was settled on ministry. And he was settled on staying in fellowship with the brethren. That's how you deal with contention. Sharp contention. It's not an excuse to quit on God. It's not an excuse to destroy somebody who God's using. You're going to have to be settled on those three things. On who Christ is, that you have a ministry to do, you've got a purpose, and stay in fellowship with the brethren. Let's all stand this morning.